Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good, so good to be with you. Um, I am, I am thrilled for that. And um, some of you may know about Our Lady of Good Success from Quito, Ecuador. Her full title is Our Lady of Good Success of the Presentation, Bon Success de la Presentation, um, Spanish from Quito, Ecuador, uh, who um, appeared in the 16th century to um, Mother Mariana. Um, who should be canonized as well. And um, there's a huge, huge story connected with it. We began a uh, novena to her uh, three days ago that will end on the Feast of the Presentation, which for us, and traditionally, is the end of the Christmas season. It's three feasts in one, uh, the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple, uh, the Purification of Our Blessed Mother, and uh, following childbirth according to the Jewish law, the law of Moses, even though she was born without sin, and, um, and candle mass uh, to celebrate the light of the world has come, and usually a procession. And that is our number one major feast day for our, for our own community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and the day that John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, um, consecrated uh, February 2nd for all religious all over the world. So for us, it's a very, very thrilling time. If you walk into our, our homes, our, our current priory, our two mobile homes in Tyler, Texas, um, you will see Christmas trees still lit and uh, poinsettia plants and everything to do with the incarnation of our blessed Lord. <clears throat> um, so I, I want to um, um, just make note of that, that we are working toward February 2nd, a very, very wonderful holy day for the entire church. And, um, uh, and also... Um, People are asking about our newsletter. I mentioned last week that it should go out in the mail by the end of this week. It's a very large one. People who have already received it by email have told me it's a keepsake because it's a huge newsletter. And in that, we have every, everything Catholics must believe and everything Catholics must do. Um, and um, it, it's uh, in the day of confusion uh, people are asking, do we still know this? Do we still believe in this? Do we still need to do this? And this newsletter will be a guide for your family f for years to come. Uh, so you're welcome to keep it. We print it extra when you receive the newsletter, which um, many, many people have already received uh, a few weeks ago by email. But when you receive the hard printed copy, um, you are welcome to... Uh, uh, ask for extras for your parish, for your friends. We've printed extra until as long as we have them available. Uh, you're welcome to ask for them. So, and, and the holy cards we've included with it as well. We have extra. So um, you're welcome for that. One of the things that um, is uh, pertinent and important is the education of our children. It is foremost. Um, 
And um, uh, I got a news report this morning that Pope um, Francis has uh, said that the, he, he votes for the so-called decriminalization of homosexuality, homosexuality all over the world. Uh, don't make homosexuality an issue. Well, that is heresy, and that will destroy, destroy families. So um, this newsletter will be very important to separate truth from falsehood. And um, there's a three-part series also on the education of your children. Um, if you don't know, the apostolate voice of the family comes out of England. Voice of the family. It is absolutely outstanding. I have both a um, um, email subscription to it and a, um, uh, a subscription to um, what is um, uh, uh, Calix Maria, the Heel of Maria, publication that comes out four times a year, again produced part of the voice of the family. Truly, truly outstanding. Um, so I want to just give us the middle article of a three-part series that Voice of the Family is printing. And um, it, it's truly outstanding. And as I read it, you'll see why. And you could look at Voice of the Family and get part one and part three. This is part two, the second in a series of articles rooted in the teaching of Divini um, Ilias Magistry, which seeks to assist parents in preparing their children to live as mature Christians in dangerous times. Uh, today, a toxic world environment, including sadly within the institutional church, sees Catholic teaching on marriage and the sanctity of human life constantly undermined. This series began on the 18th of January, 2023. Again, published Voice of the Family online with the goal, the title was The Goal of Education, a Timeless Message for Parents from the Lion of Munster. The Lion of Munster was Cardinal uh, von Gallen. Um, he was a great Episcopal champion of the sacred right of parents to resist false teachings and morals. His guidance to parents was firmly rooted in the doctrines contained in uh, Pope Pius XI's Divini, um, Divini Ilius uh, Magistri, written in 1929, Pope Pius XI's encyclical on Christian education. Uh, this Lion of Munster, as he became known, vigilantly, which again is Archbishop then who became Cardinal von Gallen, vigilantly monitored the incursions of the Nazi authorities, this is 1939, the Nazi authorities into religious instruction in Catholic schools in his diocese. Father Daniel Utrecht writes in his excellent biography of Archbishop, later Cardinal von Gallen, that on the 22nd of January, 1939, he wrote to warn Cardinal Bertram, chairman of the German Episcopal Conference, about plans underway to establish an anti-Christian hyphen Jewish, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish educational system, uh, saying, if things continue in this way, 
Christian parents will eventually be obliged in conscience to keep their children away from school in order to protect them from the loss of faith. This was in 1939, beloved. Uh, We are in 2023, and we have a duplicate situation exactly. The article continues a month later. In a last-ditch effort to save Catholic schools, the Archbishop published a pastoral letter to be read at all Masses on the 26th of February, 1939, in which he stressed that the state must respect the natural right of the church and of parents to see that their children receive a Christian education, a principle set forth in... um, Pope Pius XI's Divini Elius Magistri, in a dramatic gesture worthy of the Lion of Munster, Cardinal von Gallen, the reading of the pastoral letter was followed by a show of hands by all the adults in each church as to whether they desired to keep Catholic confessional schools. Now, beloved, this is would be a joke today. The state will not respect uh, parents, the parents uh, see that their children receive a Christian education. It's, it's, it, this is worse now than the situation in 1939. Father Utrecht explains what happened next. <clears throat> After the totals had been communicated to his chancery, the bishop wrote letters to various government officials, including Adolf, Hitler, Adolf Hitler himself. In his letter to Hitler, dated the 8th of March, 1939, he stressed his duty to work against any danger to the German state. According to von Gallen, the closing of confessional schools against the wishes of loyal German citizens was just such a danger. In boldly asserting this position, the archbishop was being completely true to the teaching of Divini, Elias Magistri, I'm sorry for my mispronunciation of that. Again and again in his encyclical, Pope Pius XI emphasizes that in the matter of education, as with all human conduct, there can be no conflict between Christian education and being a good citizen of one's country. Quote, It is therefore as important to make no mistake in education, since education consists essentially in preparing man for what he must be and what he must do here below in order to attain the sublime end for which he was created. We see the supreme importance of Christian education, not merely for each individual, but for families and for the whole of human society, whose perfection comes from the perfection of the elements that compose it." There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this when we come back from the break. And following the second break, dear ones, we'll take your texts, your calls, your emails with anything whatsoever on your heart. And I want to remind you, you are welcome always to call or to write in anonymously if that's helpful to you. I don't want uh, publicizing your name to stop you from from anything. We're together as a family. And uh, don't hesitate to call or write in the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll continue reading 
um, this article uh, published by Voice of the Family. Uh, when we come back from the break, it is absolutely crucial. We are in worse case now than in the Nazi regime. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. This is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The Catholic Church teaches that when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we join the prayer of Christ Himself. It is the perfect sacrifice of praise that extends every Eucharistic celebration into the hours of the day to sanctify time in the whole range of human activity. To learn more, please visit us or go to liturgyofthehours.org. Take a stand. Roe v. Way is dead. The culture of death is not. It is therefore time to act. As Winston Churchill once stated when the Allies began to show some signs of success against the Third Reich, Churchill said, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. The same could be said with the pro-life movement. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Mary of Live, beloved. I am here and I am live and I'm thrilled to be with you. We are uh, in the middle of an article published by Voice of the Family, um, summing up in part um, uh, Cardinal Von Gallen's letter to the families on, on the proper education of children. And he wrote it in 1939 at the beginning of the Nazi regime. Um, and... Uh, warned uh, families that they can no longer send their children to school because the schools uh, would no longer respect um, the right education of children. And <clears throat> in his encyclical, um, Divine Ilius Magistri, Pope Pius XI emphasizes, I'm just backing up to our last paragraph, that in the matter of education, as with all human conduct, there can be no conflict between Christian education and being a good citizen of one's country. <coughs> Quoting um, Cardinal von Gallen, uh, it is therefore as important to make no mistake in education. Parents, please listen. I beg you to not think you have time. 
there is no time. And if you th- our children are in public school, and I would even say in many, many Catholic schools uh, that are not faithful to the magisterium, uh, the children are already being corrupted. And if you don't see it uh, in their language, in their behavior, in their dress, um, then you are like frogs in warm water who uh, are put in a a pot of water on the stove with a very tiny simmering light and the the bodies keep adjusting, the frogs' bodies keep adjusting to the ever so slightly increasing heat of the water and they see no danger until they boil to death. That's what's happening to us. Our society is in worse condition now than it was before the Nazi invasion. It's worse. And so he says it is therefore as important to make no mistake in education, since education consists essentially in preparing man for what he must be and for what he must do here below in order to attain the sublime end for which he was created. We see the supreme importance of Christian education, not merely for each individual, but for families and for the whole of human society whose perfection comes from the perfection of the elements that compose it. Pope Pius XI declares that his teaching is based on the solid and immovable foundation of his predecessor, Leo XIII, who in his turn, in Sapientiae Christiane, an encyclical on Christian as Christians as citizens writes, if in their early years they find within the walls of their homes the rule of an upright life and the discipline of Christian virtues, the future welfare of society will in great measure be guaranteed. You hear that, dear ones? If in their early years they find within the walls of their homes the rule of an upright life and the discipline of Christian virtues, then the future welfare of society will in great measure be guaranteed, end quote. But I don't see that in, in the majority of children today I meet. They do not have an upright life. They do not have the discipline of Christian virtues. Little children question their parents. They disobey. They talk back as equals. Well, you, Mom, do it. Why can't I? They don't understand. They're not being raised properly. They don't understand authority. Parents have, are afraid to be parents. They're afraid of their authority. They abandon their vocation. They dress like their children. How could their children be modest when Christian women are dressing in tights, to me, walking around naked in the streets? Pope Pius XI repeatedly emphasizes Pope Leo XIII's teaching by citing earlier ecclesiastical authorities such as Tertullian in the early 3rd century, quote, Let those who declare the teaching of Christ to be opposed to the welfare of the state furnish us with an army of soldiers, such as Christ says soldiers ought to be. Let them give us subjects, husbands, wives, parents, children, masters, servants, kings, judges, taxpayers, and tax gatherers who live up to the teachings of Christ. And then let them dare assert that Christian doctrine is harmful to the state. Rather, let them not hesitate one moment to acclaim that doctrine, rightly observed, the greatest safeguard of the state. Returning to the Lion of Munster, that's Cardinal von Gallen. 
and his letter to Hitler regarding the anti-Christian, anti-Jewish educational curriculum being forced on Catholic schools, Father Utrecht writes, he informed Hitler of the opportunity he had given to his people. He, Cardinal von Gallen, he informed Hitler of the opportunity he had given to his people to indicate their wishes on the question of Catholic schools, as Cardinal Schulte of Cologne had done earlier. Then he gave the results. On Sunday, the 26th of February, 1939, 824,122 adults were in church for the morning masses in the Diocese of Munster. Of these 824, 813 indicated their support for Catholic confessional schools for the education of the young by raising their hand, expressed as a percentage that comes to 98.7 of those in church. Leadership of the kind given by the Lion of Munster is badly needed in the church today. You see, they raised their hand, and the bishops spoke out, but the bishops are not speaking out today, beloved. Leadership, he continues, of the kind given by the Lion of Munster is badly needed in the church today. The spiritual onslaught of gender ideology in Catholic schools, in Catholic schools, beloved, today, described in the first part of this series... Uh, voice of the family, certainly constitutes a danger to the whole of human society. The term used frequently by Pope Pius XI in Divini Ilius Magistri to refer to the state. However, much more importantly, gender ideology dangers the souls of young people. Part three in this series we'll look at how the teaching of gender ideology threatens the peace and happiness of eternity of the young people whom it targets. We don't have time to go back to the first part and the, and the third part. And I can look them up and perhaps read them uh, later this week. Um, but dear ones, dear parents, if you ignore this, your own salvation is at peril. If you ignore this, not only the salvation of your children, but yours, because you're ignoring your vocation. God has never given it to the church or the schools to raise children. He's given it to parents. And if you turn them over to the world, even the so-called Christian world, the so-called Catholic world, you are endangering their souls if you haven't checked out every single thing they teach. If you send your children to a school whose class, whose kindergarten teaches a Catholic so-called um, gender ideology, there's no such thing. If kindergartners, which are being taught today in public schools and in Catholic schools at times, uh, to decide whether they're a girl or a boy. Any hint of gender ideology, any hint of um, uh, teaching children what is against God and will ruin their souls, when you stand before God, mom, dad, you will not be able to blame the schools. You will not be able to blame ignorance on your part because why would you, God has given you children, 
you've, I've said this before, Mom, you've homeschooled them for nine months that they were in your womb, and then you give birth to them, and you're homeschooling them, and you're diapering them, and you're teaching them to talk. Pop and Mom, you're teaching them to walk. They grow up in the values of your hopefully Catholic home. And all of a sudden, when they're five or six, you turn them over to the world. And you say, no, I'm not. I'm turning them over to a Christian school. Well, if it's not Catholic, and, and you don't check it out well, you will make your children leave the Catholic faith. And if it's under the name of Catholic, but it's not fully Catholic, because they have secular teachers in there, or Catholic teachers who don't know the Catholic faith, or come to school in tights, you are ruining your children, not the school. You are ruining them by sending them in to such an unchristian, uncatholic uh, place. Everything needs to be Catholic. The behavior, the dress, the character of their teacher, because you are turning your baby over to that woman or that man who is the teacher of those little children. They are influenced by everything. And they're not going to distinguish the difference between what you teach them and what the school teaches them. And when they begin to distinguish the difference, they're going to begin to judge. They're not going to take you as their authority under God. They're going to tell you that the teacher teaches this, and the children use this language. And one girl comes to school with her skirt short. Why shouldn't she? Uh, and they wear lipstick in the fifth grade. Why shouldn't she? By that time, you can pull your children out of school, but it will be too late because they will rebel against you. They will not want to homeschool after they've had that experience. Their little personalities will already have been fed for several years by the world, by the corrupt Christian world who calls itself Christian and is anything but. You must pull your children, must, out of any public school and out of any Christian, especially Christian or Catholic school that does not withhold, uphold every bit of Catholic teaching. And if you don't know that, you're sending your children into a building burning with fire. How could you do that when you don't know that? Well, we have to work. No, you don't. Take your children to work with you. Better to keep them from being educated than to destroy them in the educational system, which is already under communism, already in this country, under communism. You must take your children out, beloved. Do what you can. Find work at home. Uh, do everything you can. Find a mother who homeschools her children and ask if she will include your children. If you are a single mother, you absolutely must work. If you're not a single mother and you have a two, uh, you're both your husband and you are working, I don't care that you have a law degree. Forget your career. God has ordained you to have a career as a mother and stay at home with your children and raise saints for heaven. If your husband's salary is not enough, learn how to work under it. Learn how to budget. Learn how to grow vegetables. Sell what you don't absolutely need. And raise your children for heaven. 
There's the music for our second break, beloved, and we'll be back after the break and have a half hour to take your calls, your texts, your emails, again, with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 26th. Today we celebrate Saints Timothy and Titus. Today's two saints give us a glimpse of life in the early church. The zeal for the apostolate, the devotion to Jesus, the deep bonds of friendship that sustained them. Timothy and Titus were bishops who spent most of their time on the road. Both worked with St. Paul and became two of his most faithful friends. Paul actually converted Timothy, who later joined him in his apostolic work, including the founding of the church in Corinth. Paul eventually installed Timothy as his representative at the church of Ephesus. Timothy died at the end of the first century, probably in the year 97. Titus became one of Paul's most trusted friends as they preached the gospel at Corinth and in Macedonia. When Paul was having trouble with the community at Corinth, he chose Titus to help smooth over the problems. His final assignment was the organization of the Christian community on the island of Crete. He died around the year 94. Both Timothy and Titus remind us that the world is saved not by what we do, but by what God does through the life he creates for us. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and I invite you, the lines are open to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. The subject is yours, not ours. Uh, Again, you may call in or write and give your name or call in anonymously. It's not an issue to us whatsoever. The toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We left off yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of an email from Courtney. Uh, we weren't able to finish it. It's quite lengthy. I tell you that at the beginning. And the reason I bre- read such emails is because I don't think it's ever happened that one person writes in with a situation, no matter how dire, that also does not relate to many other people's situations who do not call in or write in. So I'll take Courtney's email from the beginning and 
comment through it um, because it's lengthy, so we'll kind of have a conversation. Courtney says, hello, Mother Miriam. First, let me... um, uh, let me say, may God abundantly bless you. Thank you, Courtney. I'm a revert back to Catholicism and a millennial. Well, blessed be God, you came back home. She writes, part of my story is that due to the corruption and scandal of the church for a good chunk of my childhood, my parents strayed from the church in confusion as to how to respond to those events, which... Um, the events when I was a child. By the grace of God, they eventually understood that the one true faith is not itself compromised by the evil that occurs by men. Blessed be God, they understood that and do understand it, Courtney. She says, but by the sanctity, rather, of the institution of the Eucharist in Christ himself, having established uh, the church as the church. Correct. And blessed be God that you know and believe that. They encouraged me to come back in high school with them, and I did, after having been Protestant trying to find my own way to Jesus. Tensions and attacks plagued our family in early college, and I found myself without direction, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. My parents' marriage was on the brink of collapse, and truly I was the glue holding them together And dysfunctionally, I became like a surrogate spass to my father and surrogate mother to my own mother emotionally. It is complicated. My mother was in the midst of a life crisis, confused even about her sexuality. Oh, Courtney, I'm so sorry about this. Her commitment to my father, battling serious alcoholism, and hanging regularly with high school friends turned gay divorcees. This is an awful email, and it's a picture of the state of the world today. It's terrible. One such event led to my mother's arrest, and I found myself alone and helpless, responsible for her and the rest of my family at this time. It was my belief at this time that God gave me a soul who was kind and loving to help me through this lonely and burdensome time in my life. That soul was my future husband. At the time, I knew I loved God, and I knew I desired a faithful spouse, but I also knew this man was the only one showing me any kind of real love. Tensions and abuse grew in my home life, and finally, after becoming severely depressed and physically ill, I took my boyfriend's offer to move away six hours and live with him and his parents. For this sin, I have confessed, but I did not know that any other way, I did not know any other way at the time, and I know in my heart I was a girl left abandoned by my parents, not a wife yet or a mother, and the plate I was handed was too much for anyone to bear alone. You said that you went to live with your boyfriend's family, but you didn't say that the two of you were living in sin. Uh, you haven't, uh, that I wouldn't assume that. Um, she writes, fast forward a few years. We did get married, not in the church. 
I saw my parents' Catholic marriage and my father's so-called Catholic marriage, so-called marriage, and my father's refusal to bless our union as hypocritical. I knew the very intimate details of how a Catholic marriage looked inside, at least the only example I had to reference, and I felt my father was unwilling to see his own sins, yet pointed the finger at me for trying to escape that life. We did have a Protestant pastor preside at our wedding, and I tried to keep God close, involved, and invited in our union. I was made to believe by my husband prior to marriage that he had faith. As we started to have children, I found out this was not the case. It's a, it's a mystery to me, dear Courtney, how it took so long for you to realize that the man who became your husband did not have faith. Because when you truly have faith, it's the center of your life and the center of your conversation and the center of your choices in living. So very difficult um, to, to find this out um, as you, only as you started having children. Uh, she said, I, I, um, I started dabbling uh, more and more into new ageism to make sense of the world and life. And this led to what I know now as spiritual oppression. I became ill again and severely depressed one night after the doctor bills. Student loans and other debts piled high and we filed for bankruptcy. I started to consider suicide. I am no longer believed, I no longer believed in hell and wasn't sure about anything else. Beloved, Um, If you're not in the state or have never been, you probably know somebody who is. And and you know that you're not alone. Uh, Courtney writes, least of all God's love and presence. Anyway, I tried to reach out for help and could find none in my hour of need. I physically could not talk to my husband. And I felt I did not even really know Jesus anymore. But my whole life, I felt an admiration for the Blessed Mother. I thought maybe she will not reject me. I plead to her in that dark, I pled to her in that dark night of my soul, please, if you can help me out of this, don't turn away from me, a sinner. That's a good prayer. I somehow got through that night to wake up the next day and came across a video of Mariana Soldo an ap- on Apparition Hill in Medjugorje. When I saw this woman in pain, shaking on her knees, buckling in agony, suddenly turn her face and hands to the sky, I saw years from her face melt away and pain vanish. It was miraculous. As a highly trained muscular therapist, I could immediately tell this woman had a degenerative disease with her posture in pain. Then it was gone in a moment. In the description of the video, I saw that this woman was receiving a message of the month from the Virgin Mary. Due to my urgent prayer request the previous night, I somehow had no skepticism, and from the woman's transformation, I knew without a doubt she was talking to Mary. This changed my entire life. I finally felt there's something real out there, and I felt this urgency to know exactly what is going on. Five years later, I am once again Catholic. 
Courtney, blessed, blessed be God. She said, I'm, I'm once again Catholic more than ever. <clears throat> I lead a prayer group, have brought a few members of the family back to their faith with me. My mother has been sober and in CR for two years now. I don't know what CR is, but that's good. That's fine. And I am trying my best to raise my kids Catholic. But my dilemma and cross right now is being in an unequally yoked union with my husband. Since this faith life has become my passion and live or die mission, my husband has revealed to me the truth of his unbelief. I have asked him to become Catholic, and he tells me he would rather divorce than do so. I have asked him to become at least baptized and accept the Lord into his heart, but he tells me that unless God were to sit right in front of him, and physically reveal himself, there's no chance he will believe. This is the same man who claims he has seen angels, and truly he is not the type to lie. At least I want to believe that. Here is where my question begins. And I am sorry for the long email, Courtney writes, but I feel I need to give the background to help get the right advice. My heart is aching for my husband to convert, and it is my everyday prayer for this. I offer sacrifice as well. My prayer channel lifts him up whenever we can. But mother, I am not in a blessed Catholic union. My spouse refuses to convert or become baptized. I have people telling me to get an annulment, but I cry even now as I write this. I could never put that cross on my children's shoulders. Never. Both my parents divorced and it hurt them tremendously. I credit my parents for staying together even though they have been through hell and back in their 30 plus year marriage. Anyway, I've been told by a priest not to take the Eucharist until our marriage is sacramentally recognized. Blessed be God for that good priest. Blessed be God for good priests. She writes, of course I submit to that. I offer it up as a sacrifice. The only alternative to that, Courtney, is living as brother and sister. You could go to confession, and if you live, your husband agrees to uh, keeping separate intimately and living as brother and sister, you would be able to receive the Eucharist. But I would not put that on your husband at this point. I would not. So you must live without the Eucharist and make spiritual communions. She says, of course I submit to that. I offer it up as a sacrifice, but I worry I could never be in a state of grace because of this. And with times the way they are, I do not know what to think or do. I interrupt you right there. You can be in a state of grace. All you need to do, oh, I see what you mean, because you cannot live as brother and sister. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that is true. She says, I've asked my husband to perform the vows with me with the priest, but he rolls his eyes and thinks it's just another stupid, oppressive rule the Catholic hierarchy controls its people with. He says he will do it, but he will not feel it in his heart. He does not understand at all what humility or obedience is, what grace is. My ultimate dream 
is that my husband will have a conversion of heart and will joyfully embrace this ceremony of recognizing our marriage in the church with fullness of faith and heart. That is my prayer. I want to exchange vows with him in our church, our home, not seeing him roll his eyes and tell me he does it only for me. But if I press any harder, he would rather have divorce than become Catholic. I rarely make it to Mass because it bores him, and he cannot make it through Mass without severe anxiety because he thinks our young kids are bothering the Mass goers. I try to explain it's meant to be this way, us all together, but he refuses to understand and loathes it, so I go when I can alone. I cannot sometimes make it for confession. I try. Oh, Mother, they only offer it for 30 minutes a week here. Shame on them. And there is much such a line. Praise the Lord for that, but it is difficult. I am sorry I am complaining now. Don't be sorry, beloved. Um, There's the music for our break. Uh, I'm glad I began with your email, Courtney. We'll continue it right after the break. Don't go away, anyone. We'll be right back. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. In the New Testament's first letter of St. John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we read, And we have this confidence in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked Him for is ours. It's incredible to realize how much God loves us, what He has promised us, and what He'll give us through our trust in Him. Have you prayed for the Station of the Cross today? We would be grateful if you would remember us each day in your prayers, whether it's the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, or any other prayers you pray throughout the day. Please also pray for the intentions of your fellow Catholic radio listeners. It's so important for us to remember to keep one another in prayer.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are um, almost at the end of a quite a lengthy email that Courtney wrote in. She grew up with a, a very dysfunctional Catholic family um, who eventually came back to the Catholic Church, but um, it got involved in all kinds of things, and, um, and Courtney herself... Uh, uh, finally married a man who saw, somewhat rescued her from that situation. They have children. Courtney's returned to the Catholic faith full-time, but her husband wants nothing to do with it, and he's not baptized. So it's a real rough situation for Courtney. She says, Mother, um, I know you're not a priest, but maybe if you can even read an email this long without needing to get back to your duties... <laughs> Um, you can give me some clarity on this. Am I doing the right thing? Am I right in not taking the Eucharist? You are. You are right in not taking the Eucharist because, again, if you're living uh, in a a marriage uh, with your husband who is not baptized and not Catholic, um, you are right to not take the Eucharist. She says, am I right in not taking the Eucharist and offering it as a sacrifice for my husband's conversion? Absolutely, yes. Am I right to not get an annulment? Um, You're not wrong to not get an annulment. Uh, It's not a matter of right or wrong. Um, In this case, you're welcome. You You are in the right to get an annulment, but you're not required to get an annulment. Um, I think you're heroic for not getting an annulment, Courtney, and you're not required to get one. She says, am I being unrealistic to think I can make this sacrifice and hold out until he can convert? Not with the grace of God. No, you're not. Am I being foolish not to just have the blessing done over our marriage so that I can take the Eucharist? Well, if... If your husband, but you say he's not baptized, I don't know if you could have that blessing with an unbaptized spouse. Um, If he will agree to being baptized and agree to have the marriage blessed in the church, which means he would agree for you to raise the children Catholic, even if he doesn't go to church and even if he doesn't participate, you would be able to receive the Eucharist. But if not, um, the only way for you to receive the Eucharist is if you live as brother and sister. And if you don't, and you're still intimate, um, you're still in sin and not in a state of grace. Courtney says, I also want you to know that I watch Footprints of God. Very good. That's a series by Steve Ray, published by Ignatius Press, and have ever since I was a kid. I only just recently came across your interview about Moses with Steve Ray. I never made the connection that it was you until I had a dream about you. I had a dream about me. Wow. Because that's before I was a nun. 
I woke up and finally made the connection. Rosalind Moss is now Mother Miriam. (laughs) Wow, my heart bursts with joy for this. All those years ago, God touched your heart. And really, I think God revealed this to me because he, he wanted me to see someone who had a similar experience from evangelical to Catholic. Oh, the love you have for the church, Mother. I watch that interview over and over because I pray and hope my husband will be open to that same grace given to you and Steve Ray someday. Please pray for him. His name is Chase. He is a good man, a loving person, someone who rescued me from a lot of pain and a dark time in my life. He provided escape when it seemed there was none. In a way, I made him an idol before I knew what that meant. So I take full responsibility for my part in it all. But Mother, I pray because I know God can do anything. He can move any heart that opens to him. I just pray my husband will open his. Thank you so much for the witness you share in that very miracle. God be with you and make his face shine upon you. Courtney P.S. It has been on my heart to obtain a spiritual director lately. I imagine you see why. Ha ha. If you can recommend someone who may be a virtual contact, I would greatly appreciate it. They do not offer this in my parish, and I've made other inquiries, but have never received a response. Viva Cristo Rey. Courtney, yours is a very long, well-written heartbreaking but beautiful email. I would do everything I could to not seek an annulment, but live in love with your husband, which I believe you're doing. Never push him. Let love convert him. His love for you saved your life back when, uh, physically and sanely. And let your love for God and uh, for him, God's love through you to him, save his life. I would venture to tell him in a very loving way, sweetheart, I'm not receiving the Eucharist because I cannot, uh, being married to an unbaptized man, now that God has brought me back to the faith. It's not your fault, honey. Faith, salvation is a gift. I don't blame you. I don't fault you with a thing. You don't believe, and I do. Uh, That's God's doing that I believe. Uh, But I I want you to know that as long as we're married um, and as long as we uh, enjoy the intimacy of marriage, um, I, I may not take the Eucharist and I will be in sin because a believer cannot... Uh, come together with an unbeliever. I love you. I don't want you the father of our children. uh, And I don't want anything to separate us ever. Um, But I want you to know that uh, for me, um, I, I am living in a state of sin. The only way I wouldn't be is if we lived as brother and sister. And I would not put that on you. So Um, I just want you to understand the situation. And if you ever feel that you um, could uh, understand what baptism is, um, you know, it it removes the state of original sin and uh, puts you in a state of grace with God. And he puts you, he puts his life into you. And right now you don't have God's life, so you are 
what the scripture calls spiritually dead. And the things of God, Second uh, Corinthians, the things of God are foolishness to the natural man. And so um, um, I don't blame you for it. I don't judge you for it. I just want you to understand that if ever you could uh, see yourself come to enough faith to say, okay, God, I'd like to be baptized and see what this is all about. Um, I would like to do that. I understand what baptism is. I know that it, it's, it's based on being born again, on the life of Christ, your son, coming into me. I'm willing to do this. And then uh, to uh, have our marriage blessed in the Catholic Church, it doesn't mean I have to be Catholic, but it, it does mean that the children will be allowed to be raised Catholic and I will not keep my wife in a state of grave, grave sin uh, through intimacy um, unless we're able to live as brother and sister. So at a time, Courtney, that you can speak with him, uh, a time very, very loving that it would be okay to ask Our Lady to provide that time uh, or, or ask him to, he, he may say, you know, what's it to you that I'm not Catholic? What's it to you? And you ask Our Lady for that opening and you could say, sweetheart, I'll tell you what's it to me. Uh, aside from my deep love for you and wanting you to go to heaven as well, our current situation presents me in this, situ in this state of lack of grace. So ask Our Lady to provide that opening for you, Courtney. And until then, remain as faithful as you can. And um, I, I will pray for you and ask our, uh, our listeners to pray for you. God bless you. And we'll speak with you all tomorrow.